KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with someone you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. We're very fortunate. We just have such great kids. And the basketball, you know, they're, they're good basketball players and, and, and sometimes really good basketball players. And we've had, you know, I've been a part of some really good teams. But beyond that, just being around the type of people that we're fortunate enough to coach and then see them grow. And our guest this week, Nat Graham. He is the associate head coach, men's basketball at the University of Pennsylvania. Nat, thanks so much for coming in studio here. Matt, thank you for having me. So as we are talking here, halfway through the season, give or take, game-wise for you guys, does the season go by fast? Is this a time of year where you kind of can take a breath and, and kind of catalog and recharge here? Yeah, uh, I think the the season for us, particularly as coaches, goes by incredibly slow while you're in it, and then you get to the end and feel like it went by fast. You know, us in particular, you know, uh, unique to the Ivy League, we, we play so many games in November because of scheduling issues, with mostly with finals, uh, which we're in now. Um, so we play... A lot of games, and that that really, when you get to the end of that, the you know that stretch into the early December before finals, at the end of that, it feels like a real grind. Um, and then we have this break during finals. Uh, I'm sure it doesn't feel like a break for the players as much as it does for us, not, not having to take any any finals. Uh, it's been it's been quite a few years since that, but you know, for us as a team, it's it's like a chance to kind of really focus on ourselves again and try to correct the things that maybe we we've we've had troubles with up until this point. So, yeah, I mean, when you're in it, it, it feels like it, it, it feels like it's always a grind. But at the end, sometimes it's like, wow, that really went, that flew by. <laughs> I'm sure there is not the average day, but what is a day? Like, what goes yeah. into, in during the season, a non-game day? Like, kind of give people some insight into what you're doing, how much of the day you're doing it, and kind of what goes into the the hours that you're coaching. Yeah, uh, non-game day, I mean, there, there's a few buckets that, that we as assistants really spend a lot of time on. So game preparation is is definitely a big part of that for us as assistants. So amongst the three assistants, we break up all the scouting reports for each of the games. And so you're almost always working on your next scouting report at some point, which gets a little weird because, you know, it may not be the very next game. It's not necessarily always watching, our, you know, us and, and kind of trying to correct the things that, that we need to, you know, focus on as a team. But you're so you're almost always in some, you know, process of that, of going through the film, uh, the personnel for your next game. Uh, so that's a big part. You know, the the focusing on us and, and kind of, again, analyzing where we are is a lot, Steve, um, but it, but it is also us. I mean, you know, trying to watch all of our games, you know, he watches them over and over and over, you know, much, much more than we do and, and then shares the clips with us and we talk about it. But obviously as assistants, we're, we're all watching those games over and just trying to, you know, get in the minutia of not just the outcome, but, but all of that, that, that's involved in, in, in what made up that outcome. So so that's a big part. And then the next biggest thing for us as assistants is recruiting. That that never stops. You know, even the the times when, you know, we don't have practice and, and we're home, you know, it just it's always going. I mean if you have your phone, you text or call or 
so that's always going. So going to games. So that that's a huge part of of in particular assistance. And you know, I think Steve is like a lot of head coaches. Like it's hard for him to think about that too much during the season when he's so focused on on our team and our current team, not you know some hypothetical future team. And then there's on the days that we have practice. You know, there's there's practice. So that that's really the bulk of it. You know, in an Ivy League school. Uh, you know, I've been at now Penn as a player and coached at Cornell and now now at Penn. You know, the Ivy League has some stuff that, that we have to do that other places won't have to do, most specifically around admissions and uh, financial aid for recruits, but then also, you know, with our guys – um, you know, maybe around the academic side or, you know, we'll have, you know, people come in to speak for, to our guys that are from around the university or we'll have, uh, you know, mentoring programs or, you know, we'll, we'll have programming for our guys that is not specific to basketball, that is more around them utilizing a place like Penn for their future. Uh, so that's some, you know, another thing that can take up some of our time. I think, again, in particular, the assistance. When it comes to the scouting reports you mentioned, I'm curious, how long did it take till you felt like you got really good at that? And what I mean, like you understood what to look for. You understood how to break it down into a place where you're not just talking about that team, but talking about that team vis-a-vis how you're going to attack them. Mm. And are they nerve wracking because you don't you're worried about missing something or was that something maybe when you were a younger coach that you've kind of you're more confident now that you're going to check all the boxes you know i think i think um you know some ways as like a lot of young people as a young coach i probably wasn't as as uh nervous or or uh lacked in confidence as much as i should (laughs) have you know i i think i also probably had a decent feel for it and and was lucky to be kind of on uh, Steve's wavelength a lot on the way we think about basketball, so that made it easier in terms of you know the information that I was providing in a scout was kind of like what he was looking for. And I've, I've I've worked for him all but one year in my career as as a Division One assistant, so I was lucky in that way. But it certainly has you know I'm sh- sure it's gotten better and better. You know I as you go like 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 everything does for everybody. And I, and I definitely am in a lot of ways more confident about. All right, I'm I'm giving these guys the right information, and you know it'll change sometimes. You know, like they're you know, depending on where we are as a team, who we you know just finished playing, you know, all the contextual stuff. I may change how I deliver it slightly. I definitely am not as good as the uh, the younger guys, in particular Joe Mahalik is is with all the technology. He's got circles and arrows and titles and words written up there mine's you know pretty straightforward uh but yeah you know i think again it helps that i've worked with steve for so long i kind of know which which points to hit and what to talk about what to hold back from but you know some of it is just you know each team is different and and then within the course of the year it can change so you know, there's sometimes where it's really diving into uh all the detail and sometimes it's like you know what Guys, let's just go out and play. It's it's about us. But yeah, so um, most of it is just you know we we cover the personnel and kind of just talk about you know what they what their strengths are, and, and it's mostly just you know how to guard them. It's funny. I think the, for people who aren't in it, you know, you might think oh you're just your matchup is important, but you know there's switches, there's transitions, so we, or even just being off the ball, knowing what that guy does is beneficial. 
So, you know, we, we spend some time in that. And then a lot of it is just, you know, what they run, how they play, you know, do they mix up defenses, those kind of things. Uh, maybe what they do well overall as a team, you know, for, for instance, Ryder, who, are, who will be playing Saturday, they're really good offensive rebounding team. So that was, that, you know, we'll obviously talk a lot about that. So, you know, we, we go into that. But Coach Downey is not one of those guys where he wants every play call. Uh, he's not one of those guys that wants to cover every set exactly, you know, so – so that takes a little bit of the pressure off because you don't, you know, I mean, some some guys, uh, you know, the detail which they have to provide is is crazy. And I, I think Steve's point of view is just that, you know, he doesn't want to paralyze our guys with over the over analysis. So, yeah, so we, we you know, ours are pretty straightforward and, and pretty simple. You know, I, I don't. I, I try to make sure that I'm on anything. So if there is a close game or something, I have an idea what they might go to and, and things like that. But it's hard to always be right about that, you know. So, you know, you, you said, you know, do you ever feel like you, you miss something? I, you know, I'm sure that happens time to time. But it's also – it more so happens because – the guy had just seen a play that he ran at a situation that he hadn't even run before or something like that. It's just it's hard to, to be able to forecast every single thing. And so I think for the most part, at the end of the day, you know, it comes down to, you know, who makes shots and who makes the plays. And that really determines who's winning, not so much the scouting report. But I do think that, you know, it can it can provide us with a, a slight edge here and there. I, you know, Coach Donnie was talking today about – you know, us getting better at, at our baseline out of bounds, both on defense and offense. You know, something like that. If you can win that battle of the baseline OBs, like that, that could be something that swings a game one way or the other. So I don't want to think that any, any of these losses are completely my fault, but <laughs> um, I think for the most part, you know, even Chris, who's the youngest guy, and Joe, like we, we're all kind of on the same wavelength of kind of. The way what we deliver to to the the amount of detail it is and and getting the message that that Steve wants to to get to our guys. So let's talk about your basketball life. What's your earliest basketball memory? Wow, um, I was kind of a quiet kid who gravitated to basketball early. Uh, my father had played something I can kind of remember when I was little him him playing pickup and and things like that. So I you know probably my earliest memories are just me going to the local playground or hoop and, and shooting by myself as, as a little kid. And then, my, you know, my father worked for the Y, so I spent a lot of time in Y's either playing by myself or trying to get in with the older guys or something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it, that, I probably had a basketball, shot basketball, played pickup or something from, from a very early age till <laughs> – I just stopped playing a few years ago. But, but you know, through certainly into college – doing something with basketball almost every day for all those years. So, yeah, it was a long I guess that was a pretty long road. When did you start to realize you were pretty good? You know, I was I was never a ultra ultra confident guy, so there's probably always I may still be wondering if I was any good. Um I think in maybe like middle school I kind of started realizing I'm better than most of the other guys. You know, I my family uh lived in Norfolk, uh Virginia. Not a necessarily huge city big area but is kind of a big basketball area and like I played on the varsity or excuse me the junior varsity high school team when I was in middle school and so some of that stuff I kind of figured all right I'm I'm better than most of the kids my age uh and then you know when I was we we moved from Norfolk to Miami and and I was in high school in Miami I I, I kind of realized I'm better than than most of the guys but 
But, you know, I don't know that I, w- I was never a type of guy that was, was ever ultra, ultra confident and that, that self-assured, which, you know, I think we're going to talk about. But my days at, at Penn could, could attest to sometimes my lack of confidence. So, yeah, but I, probably middle school was the first time I realized I was any good. When did you start to pass thinking you were or realizing you were good? Think like, I might have a chance to play college basketball. Was it a, I think most kids dream about it, but was it something like that you really were pursuing or was it something where you started to get attention and then you kind of, the light bulb went off like, oh, well maybe I can do this. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it was such a different time, you know, like I can remember the first time I really heard about guys playing AAU you know, it was you know, Shaquille O'Neal, some kid named Shaquille O'Neal. What ever um, happened to him? <laughs> I don't know if you ever, if anything ever came of him. But so, you know, AAU wasn't as big, nearly as big as it is now. And, and there wasn't all the social media and, and the write-ups and the, the recruiting service guys and stuff like that. So I just played basketball with guys I knew and went into other neighborhoods and played pickup basketball outside, which is probably why I had to get a hip replacement surgery. So I don't know that. I don't know that I thought about it in those ways. I mean, it, at some point it was just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to play college basketball because that's what, you know, the guys I know, you know, we, they all go and play college basketball. And I, you know, felt like I was on par with some of those guys. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I think that kind of happened in high school, I guess. But, you know, it, was, it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same as it is now. You know, I don't remember ever seeing like where I was rated or, you know, if somebody thought I was a Division One player. It, at certain times or not, you know, I didn't realize that I, you know, I, w- I went to five-star camp and, you know, made the all-star team and was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to probably play college basketball. I, you know, but I, I just didn't, this wasn't a thought like that. So when you do take the, the jump to college, uh, what sold you on going to Penn? Ooh. Um, they were good. <laughs> they were really good at the time that, you know, that was, you'll see that, you know, Jerome and, and Matt, were juniors when I was a freshman. Jerome um, Allen, Matt Maloney. Jerome Allen, Matt Maloney. So they were, you know, they had been good. They had gone to the tournament, I think, the year before I went to Penn. So that would be the 92 93 season, I believe, and, and lost to UMass in a close game. And I think it was at uh, the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. So, like, you know, they were good. So that was a big part. My parents are both from the Philadelphia area. So that probably held some sway. You know, the the financial aid thing threw me, and I didn't want my parents to, to, to have to pay. Um, I, that, that was something I, I, I was struggling with. But uh, luckily, my grandmother, who had some money, took that off the plate. So that played a role, you know, coming on the visit. And I, I really liked I, – I liked cities. Uh, so being in the city was great. And then my father had told me, you know, my father's from this area and had gone to uh, the Penn Relays and the Eagles when they were at Franklin Field and obviously a ton of games in the in the Palacio. He told me this stories about when people smoked there and the, the haze of the, you know, and somebody had uh, dropped their ashes on his coat and it caught on fire and all, you know, stories like that and double headers and triple headers and whatever else. So I'd heard all those stories and then I saw it. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's just such a great college basketball venue. So, you know, the history and all that stuff and just, you know, the city of Philadelphia and then the campus, you know, having a real campus like that, 
the education was not really something that, that resonated for me. I think it was much more for my parents. But yeah, so you know, the combination of the city and the history of basketball and Wilt Chamberlain played in this building and stuff like that was cool. And my, you know, the stories my father had told me. And then the team was good. And as much as I wasn't a super confident guy, I was like, oh sure, I can play. I can play with this group. Which I, little did I know how how hard and long that may take. <laughs> so yeah, I think all that stuff was was that was, uh, was what did it for me. Fran Dunphy's a head coach. Do you remember your first meeting with him? I can remember coming on uh, the visit. I mean, Coach Coach Dunphy's got such like a dry sense of humor, and I kind of appreciated that. Uh, even even when he, you know, I remember the recruiting calls with Coach Dunphy, and I mean, this was before cell phones, so you know, calling the house phone, and and the recruiting process was not something I really liked. I didn't like talking to these guys that I didn't really know, you know, and 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 you know that it's like them just kind of blowing sunshine and. <laughs> And and you know you gotta just make conversation. I wasn't a real talkative guy anyway, and making small talk was not my cup of tea. And Coach Dunphy would just call and be like, "Hey, uh, did you play this week? How'd it go? All right, I'll talk to you next week." <laughs> you know, so I was like, "This is great," <laughs> uh, you know, short and to the point. So and then you know, on the visit, he was like that as well. I mean, he he was not a he was not a sunshine blower, but you know. Obviously, it was by that point it shown that you know he he was he was a pretty good coach and had, had had some success and then yeah so the you know I, I can remember being on the visit and you know him having uh, my mom came on the visit strangely enough <laughs> just my mom and um, so I can kind of remember that you know those those first conversations on the visit and then I can distinctly remember first being in practice and being like whoa <laughs> this isn't the same guy I remember. From the visit, you know, he's he's pretty intense. But, I mean, he is uh, he's such a unique guy, and I marvel at, you know, I see him at, at so many games. And, and, you know, sometimes he'll just say, you know, I don't, you know, we're not even recruiting anybody. I just like watching kids play. And he, he knows so many people. The people, you know, people come up to, I, you know, I always say to people, like, he could easily be mayor of the city if he wanted to. No question. He knows so many people. He knows their names. He knows their stories. He knows their they're, you know, whether it's their family or kids or, or, or friends or, you know, and, and he just he just has an unbelievable way about him and makes people feel appreciated and important. And then, as a, you know, as a basketball coach, obviously, he's the winningest coach in Big Five history and all those things. And I mean, I, I kind of hope I guess it's now six schools that we just keep going so that he coaches all six at some point, although that may mean some of my friends have, would have to be let go. But, um, I mean, it's, it is, it's just an incredible story. And it's amazing too, because I don't know that, I don't know how easily he could live anywhere, but in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and he's been lucky enough to not have to live anywhere, but Philadelphia, except for, I guess the short time he was at American as an assistant. Yeah. So coach Dunphy, uh, I think like all the guys who who went through Penn has made a you know an impact on on all the guys. How was the transition to college basketball for you? Yeah, I mean I I remember the first, you know, I think it was my first pickup game and and like <laughs> being like hey, these guys are a little bit better than you know the kids I played with in high school and and then, you know, like I think uh getting a layup blocked or something and been like, man, it's <laughs> That, that that didn't that's never happened before. But yeah, I mean that, it's it is a big transition. I think I think guys don't realize how much harder it is for most freshmen. I mean, obviously there's there's certain freshmen that can come in and, and make an impact right away. But even for those guys, you know, it's still a process. You know, you, you know, there's still 
freshman moments, even for the, the guys who make the biggest impacts as freshmen, they're not the, you know, certainly not at the point they'll be after a few years. It's, it's just so much different. The physicality, the size is different. The speed of the game is different. You know, the attention to detail and, and just how every little thing matters uh, is so much different. And it's, it's hard to be ready for that. You know, when you were in high school and you were just, you know, give me the ball and trying to stay out of foul trouble right. so that my team can win. It, that part is so much different. And, and most guys have, go through the, you know, they go through the process of having to work themselves into the rotation, which, you know, it's hard for guys who play college basketball. They, there may never have been a time where they weren't in the rotation, you know, from when they first started playing. So that, that is a, that's a tough process to go through. And, and then you have you you know your parents or whoever in your ear saying oh you should be playing <laughs> more uh, which makes it make, doesn't make it any easier so yeah that I mean the whole thing is a real process and I'm you know I was never good enough to play in the NBA I'm sure that process of making that jump is probably even more more of a, of a process to to get used to that. Do you remember the first time at Penn you felt like you made an impact in the game? There weren't many, so I probably should remember them all. You know, I, I, it's funny. I remember my first game. I think it was my first game, uh, was at USC. And, uh, you know, I, I get in for the first time, and um, it's too long ago. I can't remember the guy's name, but, you know, one of their star players, like, just took the ball away from me and, and went down and, like, reverse dunked it. <laughs> and uh, our second game was at Ohio State. And, you know, in the practice leading up to that game, Coach Dunphy made reference to that, that play. It was like that. That'll never happen to you again in college basketball or something, which I'm sure happened <laughs> too, too many times. Um, I remember that being like, "Ooh, that wasn't that wasn't great. That was a great way to start off my career." But it was a nice dunk. <laughs> what was it like? I mean, you're playing. You mentioned Jerome Allen. This was really kind of a special time in Penn basketball history. Were there moments when you kind of realized? that or are you kind of too young to appreciate the context of the times in which you are living and playing yeah I mean I definitely knew we were good I mean part because of some of the teams we beat actually I remember I think it was yeah it would have to be my freshman year the the Daily Pennsylvanian interviewed um, Andy Barada who was a senior when I was a freshman and actually my our sons have played together in youth basketball since then but Andy said in the in the DP they asked him, who's the second best team in the Ivy League? And, and Andy said, our second team. You know, so I can rem- remember having that feeling of like, we're really good and, and, and being proud of, of that. But I also kind of think I felt like, sure, we're good and, and didn't realize, again, how hard it is to be that good at, you know, at any place, let alone an Ivy League school with, you know, with no scholarships or whatever. So you know, I probably did take it for granted in some ways uh, and didn't realize, you know, what, what, what an amazing group that was, you know, Ira Bowman transfers in. So my freshman year was his, his sit out year. So that my sophomore year, we have, we have three NBA players, yeah. uh, which is, you know, incredible for, for most teams, let alone an Ivy league team. So, yeah. So I think it was, you know, I, I, I definitely took pride in how good we are, but I don't think I, I understood how kind of an exception that that group was. And I mean, it's, 48 straight league wins is is pretty amazing. No, I think a lot of the stuff people started almost, and I don't mean people, I mean like at large, people kind of just took for granted that 
Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's just what Penn does. And yeah. it's just so incredibly difficult. So you play your first two full seasons, junior season, you start the year, and then you decide to stop playing. What happened? Yeah, so, you know, I think uh, some of it was, you know, my mother was sick. My mother had cancer for the first time uh, that year. But some of it was just, you know, I, I think for so many guys, I think this gets, this is true for the guys I coach now. You wrap your identity so much around the sport, and I was certainly that way. And Coach Dunphy was a guy who did not play a ton of guys, so his rotation was pretty short. And I was kind of, you know, in and out as as a, a freshman and sophomore, and and really was going to get my chance for the first time as a junior, and did, you know, he he. he Certainly gave me a chance. I think I started some games. But just the whole process, I I did not handle well. I struggled with just confidence, and and I I struggled with what I perceived as as my failures for not playing as much as I had hoped and things like that. So so that was probably the biggest part of it is is just, you know, struggling with that. You know, back then there wasn't the – the focus on mental wellness and, and all those things. So I was probably struggling with some of those things that now maybe would have gotten, you know, attention in a different way. But yeah, I, you know, my, you know, I was, it was affecting things and wasn't sleeping. And, and, and I think I just got to the point where I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm falling apart. I need to do something. And, you know, I think, you know, I think coach Dunphy, you know, rightly so, it was like, well, you know, we've got a team here that we've got to, you know, that's the focus for us as a staff. And so that was kind of it. Like just I'm I'm a wreck and just, you know, in some ways I, I look back and wish I could have found a different way, but felt like at that moment, like I, I needed to do that just to keep it together. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not something I talk a lot about because, you know, I don't think, I don't know that most people know. I'll mention it every once in a while to the guys, but they don't, you know, they usually don't delve into it too deeply, but it, yeah, it was it was uh, definitely a, like a pivotal moment in my life of trying to figure out who I am and the, my relationship with basketball hadn't hadn't always been healthy and trying to move forward and I did not uh, I didn't crush it I didn't you know I didn't have all the, I definitely didn't have all the answers and it was a, it was a struggle and the the older me would probably advise the younger me differently but yeah. I was just trying to survive at that point, I think. But you stayed at Penn though. And I you, did. you graduated from Penn. I did. It was a it was a strange last year and a half, I guess it would be, you know, for me. But I you know, I would like to think it, you know, it uh helped make me who I am and maybe help me even as a coach maybe understand when I mean cuz again, I you know, I was saying this to one of our guys the other day like Almost all the guys who go and play college basketball, their careers don't end up like they envisioned it would. You know, I think there's, you know, there's the guys who are, are stars. And so maybe those guys, a little bit, it, it, it turns out the way they think it might or that they imagined it. But the vast majority guy, of guys, it doesn't. And that doesn't necessarily mean that their role isn't helpful or, or productive, but it, but it can be very hard to to kind of to have that sorted out for themselves to figure that out for themselves it, 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 it can just be hard to uh, when it doesn't when it doesn't end up the way that you perceive it, it can it can be hard to 
to move, continue to move forward and to, to realize that that's okay, that, that that's part of life and, and is part of, you know, it's also part of teams. You know, there, there are roles and there are guys who, who are, you know, statistically bigger factors and guys who aren't. But you need all of that to make good teams and to make um, productive groups. It can be hard to reconcile those struggles sometimes. And, and I failed miserably at that. <laughs> so I do think that that can help me now coach these young guys who most of them have some version of that. So you're there for a year and a half. You're still a pen. You're not playing basketball. What's the what is your relationship with basketball like? Were you cold turkey? Like did you turn completely away? Were you going to games and just watching cuz that would I would imagine be incredibly difficult. What did you do? Yeah, I I, I stayed as far away as I could from the team. Definitely didn't want to see any of the coaches and you know, I, I, a lot of it was just shame, you know, like, you know, I felt like I had fallen so deeply that I had to quit a team, which is like, you know, f- for guys in athletics is like the the worst possible sin. So I stayed away. I didn't go to any games. I did. You know, I would see the guys away and and that was that was fine. But, you know, sometimes they they'd make reference, you know, you should come back or, or whatever. And that, you know, I didn't I didn't really like that. But I did play every day. I would play pickup on campus every day. I got a group of guys that, that that's what we did every day. So, you know, it wasn't uh it probably wasn't the um the healthiest way to deal with it cuz I just really poured myself into going and playing pickup all the time and it wasn't like my my uh you know, I really poured myself into my academics <laughs> or or what have you. So, yeah, I I ended up every day with a group of guys and we'd go to one of the couple gyms on campus or somewhere else and, and play pickup. That was basically what I did. But I, I did not go to games. I did I did watch some games here and there. You know, I think the year that I left the team was the year Penn lost the um, you know the playoff game to at, at Lehigh to Princeton, and then Princeton beat UCLA. And I I struggled with that, and I struggled when that team didn't win and get to go on. And you know, one of my closest friends is Ira Bowman. Uh, and Tim Krug, those those two guys were were seniors on that team and and really really good players and you know I felt I felt shame in in not being able to help them you know go to the tournament and and not and then and, and just I felt like a failure I think in in terms of basketball. So when do you start to dig out of this? I know you end up at the University of Western Ontario, and I'm fascinated to find out what the pathway is there. But when do you start to feel like you're in a you said you were playing all the time, but when do you feel like you started to get into a healthier headspace with regards to basketball, your role in it, and what it could do for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, in some ways, is you know, I still struggle with the healthy relationship with basketball. You know, I think for whatever reason, basketball had been kind of the thing that a quiet kid that I went to and, and, and could kind of pull myself out of being that recluse, you know, had maybe helped me with my relationship with my father, you know, sharing that love for basketball, but it was also a thing that for whatever reason, my anxieties and and self-doubt manifested itself in the most obvious ways. So there was always a a turmoil within me. You know, I just happened to be better than most guys of my age. And, you know, when you get to college and it's, and it just can't be that you're better than everybody, you you know, there's other things that are going to go into whether you're successful or not, you know, that's where I failed. 
um, and wasn't able to persevere. So, you know, some of that, you know, what I did after was, again, still trying to reconcile that. And, and, you know, so going to play in Canada, which I had never been to and came to (laughs) go to in a strange way, you know, I had had talked to the coach at Westchester and and some other Division Twos about transferring and playing one year. And it was just, you know, again, I tied so much of my self-identity into into basketball. It was just kind of like a last-ditch effort to save some of that identity and have a success at the end of it. But, you know, again, having never been to Canada, got a call from a guy, a coach in Canada who had, who had ironically talked to Coach O'Hanlon when he was at Lafayette and strangely ended up there and was able to play two years instead of one, which I would have only had one in the U.S. So play those two years and they, and they you know, for the most part went well. Um, and I had some success and then tried to play professionally a little bit. But, you know, the, the, the struggles that I had at Penn came up from time to time. So I never really got past it as a player. And I think in some ways the love of the game, but also trying to figure out that uh, struggle in the game eventually led me to coaching as well. And I hope that, you know, the guys that, that have not those struggles, but struggles of their own, that maybe that can help me advise them and help them through their own their own struggles and issues. Because again, most guys have moments of struggles. Now, theirs theirs may not manifest for the for the same reasons that you know whatever was in my personality or makeup led me to those issues. But they'll have their own, and I, I can be more sympathetic to it and and maybe have some strategies that maybe they wouldn't think of on their own. We need to take a break on one-on-one. We will have more with University of Pennsylvania associate head men's basketball coach Nat Graham in just a moment. But right now, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda. KBB.com's best value brand of 2023. Contact your local Honda dealer today about the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid. And now on One on One with Matt Leon, we return to our conversation with University of Pennsylvania Associate Head Men's Basketball Coach Nat Graham. Was the time in Canada, did you, was, bas- was the basketball fun? And I don't mean because it's, I just mean. Were you able to just enjoy playing for playing's sake more than it sounds like yeah. most of your time at Penn? Um, overall, yes. Um, but consistently always, no. Um, and I think, again, that was just you know something that I, I was never able to, as a, as a young man and player, really just figure out on my own and put, be able to compete and play basketball – in a in a frame of mind where I wasn't putting undue pressures or or, or making it out to be bigger than it is, didn't, I mean, defi- ul- didn't define you. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's just a game, and and I I made it into so much more, and I'm not exactly sure why that was. Um, you know, again, whether it, you know it was being a shy kid who you know felt like that was my only outlet or relationship things in my life or you know whatever it was. I definitely built it into more than than just a game. And some of that, like, I get, like, you know, the competitiveness. And, I mean, as coaches, as players, you know, we're way more competitive and, and concerned with the outcome of games than somebody who, you know, doesn't 
doesn't know much or care much about basketball would be. But I, I, I think maybe I maybe went a little too far with the undue importance I put on it. What was life like? At the University of Western Ontario, besides <laughs> basketball. Like, it's interesting because you go Norfolk, Miami, Philadelphia, Western Ontario. There's a lot of culture differences across the yeah. board. Like, so what's, what's life like out there past basketball? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I had never been to Canada. So, that, you know, the first time I went up there, if anybody familiar with Canada knows, there's, they like their Tim Hortons, uh, the coffee shops. So, you know, we stopped at a place, uh, I think, at Tim Hortons on, on as I drove up there the first time I was going to see the school, uh, which is in London, Ontario, which is, is I think I guess it'd be like two, maybe three hours from Detroit on the way to Toronto. So we, yeah, we stopped and, and, you know, as as Canadians get the the perceived as, a, you know, the, <laughs> the people at Tim Hortons were really nice. And I can remember kind of being like, you don't know me. Why are you being so nice to me? <laughs> Here's, this is not how the people people act at fast food places. So yeah, I mean, it, it was a it was definitely a, a different experience and culturally, the places I had been at basketball, especially before I had come to to Penn, I had often been like the only white guy, and that's not true in Canada. <laughs> there's there there uh, white people run wild. Um, so so that was different. I mean, the team was mostly white. Um, uh, and then, you know, just, I mean, there's, there's, they, they say a lot <laughs> and it was really cold. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it was, it was definitely different, but you know, I've met, yeah, I met some of my best friends. I, I met my wife, my best friend. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it turned out to be, it turned out to be great. I definitely grew up. I, I had a better basketball experience, which is, you know, kind of what I'd been searching for and, Kept searching for after trying to play pro and uh, a little bit and all that stuff, but it was definitely a far cry from from the city of Miami. <laughs> yeah, no question about that. Uh, so what? Ireland and Denmark. You played overseas. Yeah, yeah, I played. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't last too long. But yeah, I played a little bit overseas. Good experiences. I mean, just the life experience, or were there the, moments the, of oh boy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I loved being. I loved seeing. Again, different cultures and, and countries I'd never been to, and I really liked that. When when I was in Denmark, I went to uh, my wife and I. My wife was there for for part of that, and we went to Berlin, and like I that was amazing to me. Like learn, you know, seeing the history and learning the cultures and trying different foods and and all that stuff. I really liked that. The basketball side of it, the stuff I did like about my college experiences when I when I when they were fun and, and enjoyable. Was the camaraderie and and being a part of a team and 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 trying to win and you know that wasn't the same uh, with the professional experience. So I didn't I didn't love that. I didn't I didn't love the professional stuff. And I wasn't making enough to to keep trying to do it. And again, my the for the when I ended up stopping, my wife was with me. We weren't married yet, but I felt I felt a little guilty to her, like dragging around and and and, and again not making very much money. So. So I, I didn't last long. In some ways, you know, I look back and I wish I would have just kept going a little bit more because of the other stuff. Just you know, getting to see other places and it's 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 hard to get to Europe when you're, especially now that I have kids. So you know, though, I feel like that was an opportunity maybe I missed of, of getting a chance to hang on with that a little bit more before you before you get to the real world. But yeah, it was for the most part. Yeah, it was it was, it was very cool to to see the different places. The basketball was was just okay, at best. <laughs> So when does coaching come on your radar? You know, I, I kind of 
I got my master's in education and I was thinking I was going to teach. And then while I was I, – I taught for a year while I was getting my master's. And then I kind of started thinking, yeah, you know, maybe I could coach. And, you know, I kind of – I think I started thinking, you know, I've had this strange relationship with basketball where, you know, it's been something I've gravitated to so much but it's been, you know, a source of so much struggle for me. And maybe I can help younger kids with it. So I was thinking like, well, you know, well, maybe I'll get my teaching stuff and be able to come – not just a an emergency certified teacher, but I, you know, yeah, um, and 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 maybe coach high school or something like that. And then you know, I think what happened was we had to go back to Canada because my wife, who's five years younger than I am, hadn't hadn't finished school in Canada, so she had to go back. We in Canada, they've got that socialism thing, so the school's real cheap uh, for her. So so we went back so she could finish school. And while she was doing that, I, you know, I, I couldn't just work anywhere. So I started coaching and volunteering with a friend of mine. And that's kind of when I got, got into it. And we were coaching everything. I was coaching boys and girls, high school, kind of AAU programs, but they didn't call it that. And then started bugging Steve Donahue about <laughs> giving me a, a job that paid no money with his staff. And, and then eventually he agreed to it. And he's been stuck with me ever since. That was at Cornell. And Steve Donahue was on staff when you were a player at Penn. He was, he, and he was part of the staff when I left the team as well. So what was that dynamic like at first from the time when you leave to when you join him on staff? Like, had you guys been in constant contact, or was it a layoff once you kind of left the team? Like, how did it kind of work? So I had, um, I had gone and watched him play. I think it was the first time I had gone back to the Palestra since I left the team. Early when he got the job, those first couple years, his teams were not very good. Um, but it was one of those first couple years I, I went and see him play. And then as I started thinking, oh, maybe you know, coaching something that I want to do, I had worked some of his camps. And then we were in more contact. And and he he told me, hey, you know, I could probably help you if you really want to do this and you want to get a job. And so. I started, you know, every job that came up, I would hit him up and say, you know, can, can you help me with this job? And, you know, I think at one point he said, listen, I'm not Bobby Knight. I can't, I can't help you with every job. Um, yeah. So, you know, eventually, you know, he had he had openings uh, for his third assistant. He passed me over at least once. And then eventually I, I, I was a thorn in his side enough that he he took me. But it was kind of a, a strange scenario. Now, I. I just my nature. I, I I didn't want to like overstep as a as a young coach, and and I mean he's got so much energy and 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 is unbelievable in practice, and so I would kind of like be reserved and you know I don't want to talk over him or, or or anything like that. And I think part of it too was I mean he's always coached Donahue to me. He's he's he was an assistant coach when I played. I I to this day cannot call him Steve to his face. So you know that that dynamic was. It took a long time for me to really be able to break it, and in some ways, I still haven't. You know, I still, I still call him Steve. I mean, I still call him Coach Coach Donahue or Coach D instead of Steve. And uh, you know, I think probably for him, you know, he, he still see, you know, still saw that eighteen year old that he first knew, and you know, left the team um, and str- was struggling, and you know, but you know, I think for the most part, I think oh, I like to think I've I've been able to help him, and I've been with him. I mean, it's five years, five years at Cornell. Four at Boston College, and then however many it's been been here. I think since 2015. So it's been a long time, 
And I, I'm sure the the assistant coach I am now is much different than the assistant coach I've been with him a lot of the way. So hopefully, hopefully that's a good thing. He's kept me around. How much did your life as a player, as basketball, and what you dealt with and the decisions you made, how much has that shaped who you are as a coach? Because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because I feel like in all the coaches I've known, you have an empathetic toolbox that I don't think a lot of people have. How much do you feel like those trials and tribulations that you went through has helped you as a coach just getting into the headspace of kids that don't have the answers and don't know where to turn for them sometimes? Yeah, I think it's probably a lot. You know, I don't know. I I, I sometimes wonder what would I have been like if I hadn't gone through that and had struggles. And and I think sometimes for the guys who don't have the struggles and become coaches, you know, you kind of just, you know, why can't you figure this out? I did. So, yeah, I I definitely – I I really try with every kid to understand where they're coming from when they, when they are struggling and and it is very hard for all, for all of us you know I I think we all do this like with body language and and just our perception of what some, the way someone else is acting and and what what we kind of in our own mind determine what is the root of that so I try to talk to the guys and get get more to the to understanding the reality of why they what what's coming out rather than just you know attach my perception to it so i i do you know i'd like to think that helps and i and i think i do think many of the things not not this in particular but many of the things that i do is a good offsets coach don coach donnie well and i think in some ways that's part of the value is that some of the things that that I do and do well aren't necessarily his strong suits or things that he he might focus on. I also think like, you know, for a, the guys who are struggling, sometimes as a head coach, I mean, you have to, you know, you, your real mandate is to win games. And so you can't necessarily take all the time to figure out those guys who are, who are struggling most. You got you to be pushing forward with the whole group in mind. And as an assistant, I, I have more more time to go to those guys and, and, and try to help them. So I do think, like, for me, though, the, I definitely get wrapped up in the winning and losing, but ultimately the winning and losing isn't why I do the job. And it's more the relationships and helping, you know, young guys grow into young men. And as much as I've had some successes and won some championships and been to a Sweet 16, which was was, was awesome and I remember those times. I also take a lot of satisfaction in the the successes of of helping these young guys hopefully, you know, be better people and being a part of their lives and uh having the relationships I have with a lot of guys to this day. So I I think that's different. I think those struggles definitely impacted how I look at that and uh why I coach. Do you feel that coaching has helped to kind of close the circle of Nat Graham the player like the, the, those struggles and those things maybe you left on the table or the things that you look back on and maybe, God, if I could have just, but what you've been able to do as a player, pass. I mean, wins and losses, yeah, Sweet 16, Ivy title, that's important and all. But those victories with the kids, yeah, it, does that has that helped you put your playing days in a better light for you? Or, or kind of yeah, it's, give you that satisfaction that maybe you didn't get from a, the playing days? Yeah, I think, and I think in a lot of ways, the the word I was searching for before has helped me. Rec- it's allowed me to reconcile a lot of it. Um, 
there's still regret. Like I, I know that as as you get further away from it, you you can become more honest. And I, w- I probably wasn't as as good as in, you know I envisioned I could be, or the, the success wasn't exactly that I could have had. wasn't the way that I I thought it you know was back then that it would it would manifest itself back then. But I I do know now that I could have been a helpful good player at this level and and benefited those teams and I do have regret for that the fact that I couldn't figure it out and I I say that I've said this to some players like ultimately there's all kinds of variables involved but at the end of the day for the most part you control whether or not you're successful you can control that it's not easy but I could have controlled that and I could have been successful and I could have navigated that and been successful and I didn't so, you know, it, it does help reconcile the struggles and helps me understand it and come to grips with it and peace with it. But there is still some some regret that I didn't do it, you know, and I, I ended up in Canada and different places to, to try to. But I wasn't able to do that at Penn and, and I could have. When you come back to Penn 2014 on the coaching staff, was it almost surreal? Like what were what were the emotions like when you came back to Penn? Yeah, it was definitely surreal. It was such a traumatic time in my life, you know, and, and something that I, you know, I, it had been much more of a struggle than just an athletic struggle for me. So yeah, it was it was it was it was very surreal. You know, in some ways, I, I kind of saw it as like, okay, maybe this is a chance to to have some success at, at Penn that I wasn't able to as a player. I mean, a, a huge part of helping me through all that is is Ira Bowman. I mean, I love Ira. He's like a brother to me. You know, I would do anything for him. And I didn't necessarily know that to that extent when we played together, but then coaching with him and rooming with him all those, you know, all those road trips and everything, we became so close. And so that was I mean, that was the biggest gift of the whole thing was just, you know, our relationship and he, we never talk about this stuff, really. And I can actually remember talking to him when I left the team and him calling me and being like, don't do this. But we never talk about it. And But he helped me immensely in, a, as you said, a surreal moment for me coming back here. I mean, part of it was I was without a job and I needed a job and I got three kids and this was an area I knew and, and all that stuff. But uh, and my parents lived in the area. But it wasn't always easy for me to to uh, come to grips with coming back, and, and Ira was the biggest help in that. How long did you were you in contact with Fran Dunphy a lot during those those early years, like when you after you left in early coaching career? No, no, I you know I mean I think there was a lot of shame and and you know again attaching attaching my perception of what he what he would be thinking. Mm-hmm. It wasn't pretty. So I was I was I was very reluctant to be in any contact with him. I think I made you know I think a friend of mine who also played at Penn had convinced me at one point to like reach out to him, and I did. But even those things, I I was you know I didn't you know they felt uh, they felt awkward, and I, you know. But he has never towards me. I you know I who you know I don't know his feelings on the on the situation. It's been a long time ago, and I mean, he he won a lot of games without me, uh, so he you know, he he didn't need Nat Graham that much. But towards me, he has never 
given me any reason to be uncomfortable, even though I was, uh, and, and worried about it. The people who know him know how he is. He's, he's been nothing but good to me. And I'm sure I don't recall really asking him for any help in the, in my career, but I mean, just knowing how he is, I would, I would, I would think he would do it in spite of the fact that I quit his team in the middle of a season. You know, I think I played, I think my last game might've been against Princeton Something like that. So, I mean, we had already played an Ivy League game. And, I, you know, as a coach, it's hard for me to imagine a kid leaving at that point of the year who's playing. You know, so he's handled it better than, than most, for sure. But we've also, we've never, we've never broached the subject. What is, and I think I know the answer to this, the favorite part of your job at this point? Yeah, I mean, the relationships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, when we're recruiting, I say, I say to kids and families sometimes you know it's like coaching guys who would be your friends if i wasn't so old you know that you know we would we'd be hanging out together i mean we just we're very fortunate we just have such great kids and the basketball you know they're they're good basketball players and 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 sometimes really good basketball players and we've had you know i've been a part of some really good teams but beyond that just just being around the type of people that we're fortunate enough to coach and then see them grow um, and what they become and then have kids and have their own families and careers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's probably that's probably my, my favorite part about it is, is that. Where does the ideas of wins and losses rank with you? Because for a lot of people in coaching and in sports in general, it's the end-all, be-all. But given your pathway, it's obviously important. But is it not where people might think it is? I mean, there's lots of times where, I, I mean, it's everything. You know, there's definitely a lot of moments where, I, I mean, it's all I'm thinking about and, and how can we get better. And, um, you know, I, I try just to keep myself sane, you know, with the stress and pressure of, of being a coach and think about the larger picture in terms of, of the growth of the team more than than just the wins and losses and the process of being a good team. I try not to, you know, the, the, the relationships and all that stuff is, is, is probably my favorite part of it. But I try not, you know, I try not to minimize the success of the team and the growth of the team because of that stuff. You know, I'm paid to coach the team and we have to have success. And, you know, I'm not paid to be, a, you know, a social worker or something like that. So I try not to have that other stuff minimize the the success and and being a part of the process. So, but I do try to minimize the just the like the you know Bill Walsh, the football coach, had had a book that the score takes care of itself. Let you know the score will take care of itself and make it about the process of being a better team uh, and coaching the guys and 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 all that uh, rather than just the straight wins and losses. Because I mean that stuff, at least for me, it it can be uh, can drive you crazy. What do you think the world of college basketball is going to look like? In five years, given transfer portal, name, image, likeness, and just it feels like every day we're waking up to conference change or mm. kids transferring that you never thought were going to transfer. Like, mm. what do you think it's going to look like? And I mean, in the general sense, not Penn, not the Ivy League specifically, but just yeah. in general. You know, I don't know. I, I I go back and forth with this. I you know, I think there's a chance that the NIL proves to be not completely sustainable to the level it is now. Uh, certainly for football and then you know secondarily for ba- for in particular men's basketball and it, you know i think that may be true for the transfer portal too i mean you know as much as there's been some teams with success who have really delved into the transfer portal i think there's some teams that have found it difficult to 
meld a bunch of new guys together who have been really successful at one place and then put them all together and, and have them have their success take somewhat of a back seat to the overall success of the team. But I, you know, I also hear all the, uh, the, all the prognostications about, you know, what we could be headed to and the breaking off of, of maybe the power five and, and those type of things. So I don't know that I, I certainly haven't figured out where, where, where it's going to go, but I, I hope that maybe some of those things become not absent, uh, either the transfer portal or NIL, but maybe a lesser go to come, you know, fall to a, a, a lesser level and that college basketball won't be drastically different and college athletics won't be drastically different. But I think the majority opinion does not s- seem to, to agree with that. So I know, I think, I think, uh, the, NCAA tournament has like a, a nine nine years left on its TV deal, so I don't know if that, if uh, maybe that gives us a window <laughs> of time before before any drastic changes to college basketball. But I think I think the majority opinion seems to think that it's not going to stay uh, the way we've we've become accustomed to, and 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 some of that's probably some some things that did need to change and could be better if they change but those of us that get paid because of college basketball don't want to see the, the, the it change to the level where we can't still have a livelihood Nat Graham thanks so much for coming in this was great thank you Matt it's great to be here and that will do it for this week's episode of one-on-one with Matt Leon sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love like to thank University of Pennsylvania associate head men's basketball coach Nat Graham for being our guest and coming down to our studios to chat now if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a big favor leave us a rating and a review you can follow this show on the platform formerly known as Twitter now known as X at one-on-one pod you can follow me there as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.